feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, well, President Putin senses weakness and he is planning, as it looks like, to invade Ukraine at any moment to take over these two breakaway republics. And it is not surprising news, but to many people, it's like, wow, he didn't wait. Many people were suspecting he might do it at the end of the Olympics. And boy, the Olympics were done and it was like, okay, they're done. Now we're ready. So you can clearly tell that he is working with China, and you can tell that he thinks that this president of the United States and others are not going to basically do anything to stop him. So tonight, I want to ask you here on the Rita Cosby Show, how concerned should we be by this move? It looks like, obviously, it's the start of a mass invasion of Ukraine by President Putin. He announced it, and he put it out in a document that he was basically saying just a few months ago of his plan, saying that the fall of the Soviet Union was the biggest catastrophe, essentially, of the 20th century. And he was planning on bringing back the Soviet Union, bringing back all the parts under, quote, Mother Russia. How much do you think that this is a sense that President Biden has not been a tremendous leader in this arena? I contend tonight, I think a lot. I think President Putin only responds to power. He certainly responded to President Trump. He didn't do anything under President Trump. He could have done some things then. He did not. And yet, right now, he's seeing what happened with President Biden with Afghanistan. He's seeing so many different issues domestically. He's seeing issues even with our southern border. And so I think tonight, President Putin is saying, you know what, if I'm going to go in, now's a pretty good time. I got Crimea when President uh, Biden was then vice president and President Obama was in control. So maybe now's the chance for me to go in in this way and to take over these two breakaway republics. And to me, this is very much a testament to weak U.S. leadership, weak U.S. foreign policy. And I think a message that this president of Russia feels like, you know what? This is the best time to go in. So tonight, we're going to be talking with General Keith Kellogg, who is one of the great military strategists out there. Uh, He was President Trump's national security team advisor. He also was an advisor to then Vice President uh, Pence. And he's going to give us his take on what he thinks Putin's going to do next, how catastrophic this could be, not just for Europe, but could have implications here in America. And does he think that President Putin smells weakness in Biden, and that has precipitated this because Putin sure doesn't seem scared of anything that President Biden's doing. What are your thoughts tonight? Do you think that President Biden has basically given a green light to this, not just to Russia, but to others who maybe wish to do us harm? And that's a sad thing to say as an American. I want us to look great. I want us to look strong. I want us to look courageous. And yet tonight, President Putin is smelling, you know what? Here's an opportunity. This is a weak president, 
And right now, with the midterms coming around the corner and who knows what's going to happen then, who knows who's going to be in leadership then, who knows who's going to run for the White House in 2024, all of these factors are probably going in Putin's mind saying, you know what, now is the best time to take advantage of the situation. And that saddens me, but I think that that is the reality. Here is President Putin talking just a little bit ago, announcing to the world of his plans to take over at least parts of Ukraine. And here we have a very important issue. Why did we have to meet any national ambitions, you know, on the suburbs of the former Russian Empire? Why did we have some great rights to these various territories? Why did we have to transfer the rights to the territories we have been historically part of the Russian Empire, and they've received even statues of the national territorial units. Why? Why? Again, I am asking you. Asking what he's asking the world community. And President Putin further said this again. This is a female translator over him. And he basically said, you know what? We should have always kept Ukraine. And basically... I'm taking it soon. Why did we have to be so generous? Even some ardent nationalists would not even dream of this. And then even give those republics the right to leave this union without any terms and conditions. This is just madness. And, of course, President Biden sent his great diplomat, Kamala Harris, who hasn't been able to take care of our borders, so he's thinking she's going to take care of Europe's borders. I don't think so. Here she was in Munich, Germany, over the weekend, and obviously completely ineffective. As President Joe Biden has made clear, the United States, our NATO allies, and our partners have been and remain open to serious diplomacy. We have put concrete proposals on the table. We have encouraged and engaged Russia through NATO, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, the United Nations, and bilateral dialogues. We have engaged in good faith. Russia continues to claim it is ready for talks, while at the same time, it narrows the avenues for diplomacy. Somehow it looks like Putin is done with any diplomacy. He is clearly intent, and he said it to the world that he is planning to invade and take over at least these two locations. And by the way, He's saying, oh, we're sending more peacekeeping troops into that area. Does anyone believe that they will be keeping any sense of peace? It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. How much of what we're seeing now is not just a sense of President Biden's weak foreign policy and weakness of a leader, but also the fact that he has made us not energy independent anymore as we were under president trump we're actually getting oil from russia how crazy is that at this moment that we are getting oil from russia as opposed to building it here and developing it here in the united states drilling it here which is what was going on under president trump uh let's go to pete in new hampshire real quick pete your thoughts yeah hi rita thank you you know 
this all goes back when I was a kid. I'm 70 years old, uh, hiding under a desk or in a hallway with my hands and my arms over me, uh, the Cold War era. Now I look at it now. We have we have two dummies in the White House, and you know Joe Biden is an empty head. Don't call him Potato Head anymore. I used to. This guy is a zero, and I mean negative zero. And she is nothing but a uh, uh, laughing hyena. And you know what, Pete? And you know what? Your point, Pete, because the world leaders see that. And sadly, those who wish to do us harm and the world harm and are looking to do these provocations and invasions like Putin has now laid out, it shows how important it is to have a key person in the White House. When we come back, we're going to talk to General Keith Kellogg, Trump's national security advisor, and get his take. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about Russian leader Vladimir Putin planning to take over Ukraine, and he announced that just a few hours ago. You want to be decommunized? Well, we're quite fine with that. But don't stop halfway, as they say. We are ready to show you what decommunizing Ukraine really means. And joining us now to talk about these big developments is Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor under then President Trump. He was advising, of course, the president and also the vice president at that time. He's also the co-chair of America First Policy Institute. Um, General, I have to get your reaction, first of all, to President Putin, what he said today. This is a big deal. Yeah, Rita. Well, look, thanks for having me. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a significant uh, proclamation by Putin. It's sort of kind of what we thought he was going to do, at least I thought he was going to do. And he kind of measured up to what I, you know, he, what I thought he'd do. And he's pretty aggressive and, and it's pretty, it's just unfortunate because I think we've gone into a new stage of uh, relations with Russia. I think we've gone back to a cold war. In fact, I listened yesterday to president Minister of Finland that he actually said that it's actually going to be a colder cold war than before. And he's probably right. You know, it's, it's really unfortunate, you know, look, Reed, I hate to say this, but I think it's, it's good to sit back and, reflect on what has actually happened here you know and this is for perspective you know back in uh, uh, 2014 right after the olympics uh, putin took the ukraine uh, from the ukraine to crimea vice president biden was there at the time in the white house and then you fast forward eight years and after the olympics you've got russia taking a huge part of uh, the eastern part of ukraine the donbass region of course president uh Bush, uh, I'm sorry, President uh, Biden is sitting right there right now. And uh, and President Trump, we didn't have that at all. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. One is uh, what Putin sees is weakness. And when he sees weakness, he strikes. I don't care where it is or who it is, he goes after him. And he thinks that the United States and NATO is a little bit weak right now. He says that about NATO because he keeps looking at NATO. And NATO is not fulfilling a lot of their obligations financially, which they said they would do under the Wales declarations, which is 2% of their GDP on defense, only six nations, uh, one-third of the nations are doing that of the 30. The United States is spending about 3.5%. And then you look at what Germany's doing, and Germany's getting about 35 to 40% of their energy from Russia. So Putin sees all this, and he sees a gap uh, in strength, and he goes for it, and he's doing that right now. And uh, we have now 
seen the emergence of a very, very aggressive authoritarian leader that is no friend of the United States. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people are equating it to sort of almost the beginning of World War II. And you look at sort of what, you know, even Hitler was doing in 1938 uh, with Czechoslovakia. Uh, talk about sort of the comparisons, because it looks like we could be on the brink of war, obviously. Yeah, well, you are because in, you are because of miscalculations. And, you know, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So Article 5, an attack on one, an attack on all, is an attack on all that doesn't apply. But he's he's aggressively pushing out. And when I say about miscalculations, a lot of wars are fought by miscalculations. You make a mistake and then you're involved in combat. He is right now, he being Putin, is steering clear of NATO. He's not pushing towards um, the Polish border at all, which is probably the the greatest friction point uh, bordering Belarus right now. Um, He's not doing that, but he is pushing out pretty hard, and you don't know what's going to happen. By the way, it's not just what what might happen on land with Ukraine. You've got air assets that could kind of run into each other. There are naval assets all over the place in the Mediterranean, in the Black Sea, that you can cause contact with and friction with. So everybody's going to have to be very agile and very aware of what's happening around their surroundings because it it only takes one accident. You know, I've seen war start that way, and once you get the genie of war out of a bottle, you know, it's tough to put it back in. So what do we do right now with Russia? And, in fact, in the last few hours, uh, Putin has essentially told his forces to move into the separatist regions. But he's saying this, General Kellogg, for, quote, peacekeeping. I mean, nobody thinks they're there for peacekeeping. Your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that's one of those. if, If people believe what Putin is saying about peacekeeping, I have a great bridge to sell him in Brooklyn, you know, and he's not he's not doing that at all. We know what he's doing. We know he's being very, very aggressive about it. We're, this is just the first step, in, and we're on a ladder of escalation, and let's see where this escalation goes. You asked what the United States could do. We, I'm one of those who doesn't believe in sanctions, and the reason I don't believe in sanctions, they take too long to bite, and there's so many ways to get around them. What I would do right now is you look at Putin, who truly has a weak economy in Russia, and I would tell all of the European nations, look, um, you don't take any more energy from Russia. You just completely divorce yourself from taking that energy and kind of cold turkey it. Oh, by the way, that means the United States as well. You know, we take over 100,000 barrels of oil a day in from Russia, and and we've just got to say no to that. Uh, Thank you, Joe Biden, for kind of crushing our energy independence. But NATO needs to do that. Uh, the European alliance needs to do that. European Union needs to do that. That's the first steps you take. And then you can put the sanctions on as well. And then you just need to counter him in every place you can. And there will be a lot of opportunities out there to counter him. But it's going to be one of those things where you almost have to do this day by day, event by event, and have to be very agile about doing it. Yeah, and you talked about sanctions. You know, a lot of people said, you know, if you were to do sanctions, even though I agree with you, Putin doesn't seem scared about sanctions from the West whatsoever. Um, But even if you were to do it, why do it after the fact? You didn't do anything. Clearly, everybody seems to think even if it is sanctions, it's too little too late. Well, part of that, Rita, I really believe this is we've made a it's a fundamental flaw i have said this repeatedly you know good strategic analysts and good advisors look through the lens of your enemy through the opponent we didn't do that we kept thinking it was all going to be happy to glad 
And I said repeatedly, you, if you can look through not only your lens, but through the lens of your adversary, you will know what he's going to do and, and how you can react to that. That is a fatal flaw that a lot of people and a lot of governments make. And we did that. We didn't think he was really serious. You know, when you look at his proclamations and what he said and what he's written and, and what he's, his speeches, this was so obvious this is what he was going to do. And everybody kind of said, oh, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. But yeah, he is. And he did it. And we made a huge – we, the West, made a huge mistake of, of underplaying it. You know, one thing about Trump – remember, this didn't happen for four years under Trump. And part of the reason for that is Trump would pick up the phone and call old Vladimir and talk to him a few times and, and push back really hard and would show strength to Putin when he needed to show strength to him. I remember the first time we ever fired uh, Tomahawk land attack missiles into Syria after uh, Assad used uh, sarin nerve gas on some of the civilian population. The airfield that we hit was also occupied by the Russians, and, and we knew that, and we didn't care. And we told Putin later, you know, we're going to shoot at you. If you're there, we're going to come after you. You make a mistake, so don't do that. We did it a few years later also in northern Syria when we killed about 200 uh, uh, mercenaries that came out of the Wagner Group, which is a Russian mercenary group. And when they said they weren't involved in contact with Americans, they were. So we killed a lot of them. And we told Putin later, we told you not to do it. You did it, and you're going to pay the price. And the president would pick up the phone and tell Putin that. Now, Putin may not have liked it. But I think he respected that. And I don't believe he respects this administration. And I think a large part of that is because of what he saw happen in Afghanistan. Yeah. And in fact, do me a favor, uh, General Kellogg, stay with us. We're going to go to a quick break. I want to have more with you exactly about that point right after the break. Rita Cosby is on. Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, for the very first time, motorist Mark Savillis in Abilene, Texas, got to shake the hand of a man who saved his life just a few months ago during the police department award ceremony that took place just a few days ago at the police station. Officer Danny White was presented with the life-saving bar award for performing CPR on Seville's at a critical time. Now, Seville's had been thrown over the front of his motorcycle, and he actually struck the back of an SUV. It happened in July. He was face down. He was unresponsive in the road when Officer White arrived and immediately performed CPR until medical help arrived. He was in such bad shape that when Seville's father came to the police station a week after the crash to get more information, they had him listed as deceased. Amazingly, he survived, and many credit the quick thinking of Officer Danny White and his quick medical attention that he was able to do. And how great that this survivor was able to meet his hero, Officer Danny White. And bravo to that officer and so many officers who every day are there at the right place at the right time to save so many lives. Well, many lives are definitely in danger now in Ukraine. And Putin made no uncertain terms today, basically saying in an announcement to the world that he's going in. He basically said that there are two breakaway republics, and that's sort of the start of it all. They belong to Russia, and guess what? I'm taking them. And he's also looking at the tea leaves right now. 
President Biden has been weak. He's been floundering all over the place, whether it's domestic policy or foreign policy. In fact, I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, he's below 40 percent in the polls in like almost every single area. And so what does he do? He sells Kamala Harris to Munich as if she's going to be the great world negotiator. And Cackles was over there over the weekend, you know, cackling and laughing it up and having a good old time. And poor President Zelensky's like, is someone going to do something? My country's about to be invaded. And sure enough, Putin announced it today that they are going to take these republics. And he said they're part of Mother Russia. And he also said that he's going to send in, quote, peacekeeping forces in the next few hours. Does anybody believe that they are peacekeeping forces? Boy, is this a time where we need to have strong American leadership, not what we're seeing right now. And just a few hours ago, Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby talked about how this invasion is probably going to happen possibly in the next few minutes or next few days. I mean, we've been saying for a long time now, John, that uh, a Russian attack could come any day now. Well, today might be that day. And we hope that's not the case, which is why we continue to exhaust every possible diplomatic option here going forward. The president once again yesterday saying he's willing to sit down and talk uh, to Mr. Putin about a peaceful way forward here, obviously uh, assuming there's no invasion. So diplomacy is still possible, uh, even though we we know that that time is running short. We're still going to exhaust every possibility. And everybody, we are continuing now our discussion with General Keith Kellogg, former National Security Advisor under then-President Trump, also worked with Vice President Pence as well. He's also the co-chair of America First Policy Institute. General Kellogg, um, you know, we were talking about Afghanistan, sort of the weakness and the disastrous withdrawal. How much do you think what's happening right now with President Putin that he saw sort of a green light, that he smelled weakness because of the way we handled that and other foreign policy matters? Yeah, Rita, I think he saw that, but then it was uh, compounded by the fact that President Biden said two things. He, he talked about a limited incursion being okay. Remember he said that in a press conference? And yes. then he said, we're not going to put any U.S. troops on the ground uh, inside Ukraine, which is a good call. But you leave some strategic ambiguity there. You never say exactly what you're going to do or not going to do. But you leave the other side guessing. Well, he did leave Putin any guesswork at all. He said, this is not going to happen. And kind of now what you do, what are you going to do? And if you... If you look at about the comment that came out of the White House this afternoon, it's kind of a pretty weak comment. Uh, this is one of those where if you're President Biden, you bring everybody together tonight if you had to on a giant secure VTC call out of the Situation Room, and you talk to all your NATO alliance, and you start talking to them and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is what we need to do. You don't see that happening. Look, when Putin said he was going to, uh, take over the Donbass region today. Who did he call? He called Chancellor Schultz of Germany. He called President Macron uh, of France. Who did he not call? Didn't call Joe Biden. That that kind of sends a message. Now I know why he did it, because they were both part of what's called the Normandy format, which is that they were supposed to solve this problem in the Donbass region, uh, and they didn't do it under the Minsk Accord. So he called them, but he he didn't pick up the phone and call. Uh, you know, the other adversary, the United States of America, just ignored it. And kind of, he kind of set a subtle message on that one. 
you know, you that's a great point because you're right, he didn't call him. And then we saw Kamala Harris over in Munich over the weekend and she just there wasn't anything I think where people were listening that said, gosh, that's going to really scare Putin. I didn't hear anything. And meanwhile, you saw President Zelensky of Ukraine pleading, please take some action now. Please take action now. And here we are. Yeah. You know, I would ask people to be very objective about this. Play back what Vice President Harris said in Munich. And um, if you can understand what she said, please tell me, you know, write it to Yeah, me. I was going to say, was she the person she to be deciding diplomacy, General? I mean, it didn't seem like she's the one to be uh, figuring out world, you know, world borders when she can't even figure out our own border. Yeah, well, that's one of those where she was supposed to be handling the Ukraine crisis. I said, dear God, don't give her any more control or any more crises that we have. We really got a problem, you know, going forward, you know, and then she just doesn't do smart things. And I just just saw just in the last hour the fact that the the American ambassador to Germany, our ambassador, wanted to ride back to D.C. from her on Air Force Two, and they wouldn't even give her a seat on Air Force Two. That would never have happened under Vice President Pence. You know, if an ambassador wanted a ride going somewhere, somebody from our team would have been kicked off the airplane. <laughs> I said, what is everybody doing here? It makes no sense to me. You know, I have to ask you, and speaking of sense, because how we got to this moment, because we may feel it at the gas pumps as a result of this. And much of this is this, as you just talked about before, it's this energy independence move from there to energy dependence. You saw it with President Trump. You were right there. He very much saw energy independence in America as leverage, um, as, as a chit, as something that could be used as force and a message to people like President Putin. Here we are, President Biden, you know, cancels the Keystone Pipeline, uh, as you talked about. Also, you know, we're relying on Russian oil. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, I think the next time somebody goes to fill up their car with gas and you look at the price, I hope they say to themselves, I'll take mean tweets right now. Thank you very much. Because this is what happened. We said this was going to happen and happened. We were energy independent. We were an exporter of energy as well, and now look where we're at. And now I'm around, I don't know about your neighborhood, but I just saw $4.75 gas. And my brother, who happens to live in California, says, don't talk to me about gas prices. It's $7 out here. So here we go. Wow, scary times. And again, it didn't have to be this way. And boy, as you talk about, talk about different leadership under President Trump than what we're seeing now, right, General? Absolutely, Rita. I mean, I, I say that, and I'm, I'm sure some people will say, oh, well, you know, he's a Trump guy, and this is what he's saying. No, I said, look, just look at what's happened for perspective and think your way through it and then ask yourself the hard question, what caused this to happen? And I, I believe a lot of this is because of leadership and the lack thereof. Scary times ahead, boy, and it could be very, very dangerous. Well, thank you so much for being with us. We so appreciate your insight. General Keith Kellogg, thank you so much for being here on the Rita Cosby Show. Thanks, Rita. Thanks for having me. Great perspective and so many points. And talking about the image of weakness to the rest of the world and its impact, not just on the disastrous withdrawal of Afghanistan, but so many different areas opens the idea to weakness. And this is why you need a strong U.S. president to be leading, not just America, but really sending a signal to the world. And I think that this is a perfect example of how weakness 
opens invasion, opens many other doors, and it is a huge concern. And the fact that Kamala Harris, who hasn't been able to do a lot of different things with this administration that they put it in charge of, is now in charge of world diplomacy, that is a very scary premise. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Steve in Pearl River. Steve, your thoughts about all of this. Go ahead, my friend. Hi, Rita. Well, you know what? I I have to disagree with uh, the general, you know, with... with uh, general you know, Kellogg, who was just yeah, on? A little bit. A okay, little yeah, bit. let's hear yeah, your thoughts, by you the way. Go ahead. You know what? I'll tell you what the point is. You know, I wonder how he felt in the Helsinki when Donald Trump threw the entire intelligence apparatus and military apparatus of this country under the bus to defend Bruce the shark. Oh, I mean, I mean, his buddy, Vladimir Putin. And Vladimir Putin is like Bruce the shark. Bruce is the uh, name that was affectionately given to the mechanical shark um, that was in Jaws by the crew. Well, hang on. You're going on. Hang on, Steve. Hold on. You're going on a lot of tangents here. Two things. One, um, Yes, he was very collegial, it seemed, with Putin during that. I remember those moments. Um, On the other hand, remember at that time, too, there were all those allegations swirling about, like, Trump and Russia, and it turned out that those didn't have any founding. Remember, it was that whole fake steel dossier. And, in fact, we just got new details in the last week or two. Remember uh, that Michael Sussman, the Clinton attorney, is now accused, according to John Durham, of basically fabricating a whole bunch of stuff in that arena, too. So it's like, I mean, well, no, you can disagree, whatever, but you can't disagree with the facts because that is indeed what John Durham did determine, that there was basically sort of, you know, that there was this sort of collusion with the Clinton campaign. They haven't proven anything, you know, tied to Hillary specifically, but Michael Sussman, who is a Clinton campaign lawyer, he says he's innocent, but John Durham says that they have proof that they are looking at somebody who tapped into the White House servers to sort of create this false narrative of this relationship with Trump and Putin. So, I mean, some of these allegations, that could have stemmed a lot from why Trump was kind of like, what is everybody talking about? Oh I mean, God, Rita, check your timeline. It was when Barack Obama was president. They're not talking about... Oh. Wait, Steve. Steve, you got your facts wrong. Uh, you're talking about you're talking about Helsinki. Are you talking about when uh, when Trump was standing there? What are you talking about? Which moment in okay, Helsinki? Okay. So first of all, how this all started in Helsinki. But you know what else? You know what else? When Hong Kong, we did nothing about Hong Kong because oh, that would be bad for business. Khashoggi, we did nothing. And you know what? You know what? And, and Steve, and Steve, by the way, I will tell you, I didn't like the way the whole thing went down with Khashoggi. That was terrible. But speaking of Hong Kong, I don't see President Biden going over there and condemning him and his buddy LeBron James and those guys. They, they seem very happy to do business in China. All well, Biden, all Biden did was do a diplomatic boycott of China. Oh boy, that is really tough. Steve, put on your big boy pants and call me back another time. Let's go to Elena in Teaneck, New Jersey. Go ahead, Elena, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Hi, Elena. How are you? Very well, thank you. And I hope you are well as well. I'm doing well, too, but Steve's got to get his facts straight. But go ahead, Elena. Um, Maybe. It's a good idea. Uh, Rita, there are two reasons why Donbass and Luhansk have to be under Russian rule. 
Russia insists it needs it for two reasons. One is economic. Donbass and Luhansk are very rich in natural resources. Putin just signed a multi-million ton contract with China, to, northern China, to supply them with coal. You know, some of it is going to come out of those regions. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, they have always also, you know, in the last at least number of years, had many Russian separatists in that area. Remember? So he also feels like he's saying, well, wait a minute, there's still a lot of Russian separatists. He believes that those are two vulnerable areas because there's Russian sympathies in those two areas. But, you know, it's interesting to your point, Elena, too. You're right. There's some very much strategic, and that's why this is so key. And you know what? You know what's fascinating, Elena? So far, the only sanctions that the White House has really sort of talked about as of yet is basically sanctioning those two areas of Ukraine, which are basically, you know, the Russian. So it's basically sanctions of Ukraine, but not of Russia yet. You know, he's talking about going after those two areas and saying, okay, well, no one should be doing business there. Nobody should be doing certain things there. I mean, give me a break. What about going after Vladimir Putin? So far, he has not done that. But but you hit it on the head. So much of this, which is why I never understood why on day one, President Biden canceled the Keystone Pipeline, and then why he proceeded to basically give the green light to Nord Stream 2. That's that big pipeline through Europe which now he still swears will not take foot, you know, that he'll do everything he can, even though Germany's kind of like, well, we get a lot of oil from Russia. There's, there's definitely shades of gray. But, but so much of this, as you point out, is energy, oil, coal, all of that. Um, Elena, great, great comments, as always. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. I love hearing from all of you, as you can tell. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Has President Biden's weakness opened the door here for the invasion of Ukraine? And will it have enormous repercussions in history? one 800 This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about how President Biden's weakness and Kamala Harris's weakness basically have done nothing but incentivize people like Vladimir Putin to go in. And it looks like, according to what he was saying just a few hours ago, he is planning to do just that, at least parts of Ukraine. And this is what Lieutenant General Ben Hodges, he's a retired U.S. Army officer. He served as commanding general, U.S. Army Europe. This is what he had to say about the time and how we have to act now. Well, certainly it is time for decisive action. Um, I mean, I don't know what else we've got to wait for um, before we start um, doing things that really do, in fact, cause the Kremlin to pause. And Elena, who just called in, talked about energy and how that's playing a huge role. This is what Ben Hodges says we should do with that pipeline uh, through Europe that Russia is in control of. Take a listen. I think this is a time for Germany, our very important ally, to stand up and say, okay, right. Nord Stream 2, uh, that, we're going to start filling that pipeline with salt water. And um, I, I don't imagine uh, that they've got much room to maneuver otherwise. 
Yeah, can you imagine? But I don't see Putin doing that. He hasn't really even done any sanctions yet. The only thing he's talked about is sanctions on these breakaway republics of Ukraine. He's not even talking about doing anything up against Russia. And so far, nothing he has said has done anything to stop or deter Russia. I make the argument that it has done exactly the opposite. one 800 848 one 800 848 Let's go to Jim. In upstate New York. Jim, your thoughts. Go ahead. Hi, Rita. Love the show. Thank you, Jim. They absolutely do smell weakness. They're like sharks that smell blood in the water, uh, Z Z in uh, China and Putin. I mean, Putin's ex-KGB. He's, you know, vicious killer. And uh, and no one forgets to think about the, the, how, you know, I believe that Biden, other than being weak, not intelligent. Even in his prime, he wasn't intelligent. He was like a used car salesman. That he's so corrupt. I mean, who's who's a bigger bulldog prosecutor than Rudy Giuliani? Rudy Giuliani has all the all the information on Biden and Hunter, Hunter's laptop, and and the Congress just squashes it, and the media squashes it. I just truly hope that when Republicans take control of the Senate and Congress, they truly impeach Biden and bring him up. On all the all this corruption charges, also with the Keystone Pipeline, that was ridiculous. But also that was a big political payback to Warren Buffett, who's who's a large investor in railroads that moved that oil by rail. So that that canceling that pipeline definitely profited Warren Buffett with his with his rail lines, and he's a huge Democratic donor. No, that's a great point. Great point, and also it sent a signal that we will no longer be energy independent, which is outrageous. Let's go to Chris real quick in Lake George. Chris, your thoughts about all this? Go ahead. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean this goes back to the Clinton administration, 1991, the Nunn-Lugar agreement. But certainly, uh, Ukraine has been bleeding Ukrainians for decades. That's their only export, and it's got to be cleaned up. I believe that Kiev is going to be occupied like germ like berlin was occupied by poland lithuania and hungary i believe that uh, biden is going to cede the eastern portion to um to the russians yeah and, and by I the believe- and by the way chris i i think biden's going to cede almost all of it i don't see him putting up anything we're going to continue this discussion everybody 1-800-848-9222 on the rita cosby show Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, Vladimir Putin said it, and he is getting ready to invade Ukraine. I mean, he didn't seem worried whatsoever what the international community is going to do. And why would he? Because the international community so far has basically done nothing. They did nothing to preempt it. They did nothing to show a sign of strength. Just talking about, well, NATO is unified, and we may do some sanctions against you. And Putin's like, oh, well, if that's it, I'm going in. No big deal. And that is very, very unfortunate, not just for Ukraine, but for the world. Here is a little bit of Vladimir Putin talking about his plans. Um, Here's a little bit of a translator over it, because, of course, he spoke in Russian. 
But here is where he talked about taking over some of those regions, in particular the areas with these Russian separatists. And he said there's nothing really holding him back. And he says they belong to Mother Russia. The goal of our meeting today is to listen to our colleagues and map out our next moves in the matter of the request to Russia by the leaders of the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic asking to recognize their sovereignty. Right, that they're asking to recognize sovereignty. And he's so nice that he's going to oblige and take them over. Isn't that wonderful? Saying that he's going to send in peacekeeping troops in the next possibly few hours, which is just amazing. And in fact, Right now, they're said to be just like two or three miles from the border of Ukraine. Um, So this is really scary stuff, you guys, and why we need to have great leadership at the helm of the United States and have leadership of strength that people will understand, particularly tyrants in the world. Because don't you think that Kim Jong-un is watching that? Don't you think that the leader of Iran is watching it? Don't you think that Xi Jinping of China is watching it now that the Olympics are behind him? I think they're all watching this very closely and saying, gosh, maybe this is the time to go into Taiwan. Maybe this is the time to get something even better than the Iranian nuclear deal, which was such a win for Iran under President Obama. So, boy, are things different than they were under President Trump. Here is Rebecca Heinrichs. Uh, She's a military strategist. She's a member of the Hudson Institute. And this is what she had to say when she heard the news of Putin announcing to the world that he's taking over at least part of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is the one who's calling all the shots. He holds all the cards. And it's getting to the point where it's it's actually embarrassing to watch all of these heads of state going to him desperate some kind of for some kind of diplomatic solution when it's totally clear to anybody watching this that Vladimir Putin's not interested in a peaceful diplomatic solution. His demands are outrageous. Um, 150,000 plus troops, of course, on the border. And the other thing, too, is there's already cause right now to implement some sanctions. Belarus has already said that they want Russia to leave. Russia's not leaving. Um, You have cyber attacks ongoing against Ukrainian targets. And so uh, many of these sanctions that the Biden administration is threatening to impose if there is further invasion are sanctions that they themselves have already relieved. And so there should all already be heavy sanctions in place for what the Russians have already done. That would demonstrate seriousness, some resolve, and those sanctions can only accelerate as the Russians accelerate their aggression. That's what we should be doing. The Russians understand strength and power. And they're not seeing either from this administration, I contend. What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. By the way, also coming up later in the show, We have our special Support Our Heroes segment where we always give a shout out to our men and women in uniform. And by the way, thousands of them are now right around that flank around Ukraine, a number of them in Poland, some in Romania and elsewhere, just keeping an eye on things because things could get extremely volatile. So always keep our thoughts and prayers with our great men and women in uniform. And they get called at a moment's notice sometimes to some very difficult parts of the world. And also we're going to talk about crime in New York City and other major cities across the country. What role do soft on crime Democratic DAs and others play in this process? And boy, what a violent weekend it was in New York City, for example, and Atlanta and a number of others. We're going to talk about that later on here on the Rita Cosby Show. Meantime, things are extremely dangerous. 
with Ukraine and Putin announcing to the world that, guess what, he's going to take over these at least two breakaway republics. That's for starters. Does anybody think he's going to stop there? And are you seeing anything that this administration has said or done that could have prevented it? I'm not seeing anything that they have done that actually sent a message of don't you dare cross that line or else. There was never that message. It was only like, well, if it's a minor incursion, well, then maybe we won't do anything. So is Putin going to call? If I were Putin, I'd say, by the way, President Biden, this is, quote, a minor incursion because we're still leaving 90 percent of the country intact. We're just going to take this, you know, 10 percent or so. That's a minor incursion. You even said it yourself. Remember, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, your thoughts about this. Go ahead, my friend. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm out at uh, the uh, what is this place? The, the Bogata in Atlantic City, and uh, it's President's Day, and uh, we're having a real great time. By the way, I am, with, I am, uh, I am very jealous. I'm very jealous because that's a good place to be. Uh, now, if I were a betting person, I would say Putin. I would roll the dice, and I would say Putin is definitely going to be invading very soon. Uh, and I think he's not going to stop with these be. two breakaway republics either, Pete. Definitely. And listen, I thought this was going to happen long before, uh, you know, the weakness and Kamala out there with that mask on. Can't understand a word she's saying. I don't get it. And, you know, she's like fighting the battle for the president. I mean, what is he out to lunch? I mean, we know he's got mental problems. He's got to, you know, he got to get this thing straightened out. We need Donald Trump back. We need somebody with kahunas, you know, because we get looked on. Well, everybody's going to invade us. I'm surprised the little guy from Korea ain't knocking the hell out of us now. You know, this is bad news. We got to join together. I agree. I mean, we got to fight. We got to strong America, you know, America. I agree. I totally 1,000% agree because I think we need to at least send a message of strength that we are, you know, the number one democracy, the leaders of the free world, and we have to start acting like we are leaders as opposed to like weeping willow followers. I I mean, it's it's extremely, extremely uh, dangerous and scary right now given everything that's on the line, and it's just highlighting that – this president, the fact you bring up a great point, the fact that he actually sends Kamala Harris, it's like it just shows, I think, so much, Pete, that, you know, he was. Why didn't he go? I mean, it's clearly a big enough deal that Zelensky's over there playing, you know, praying and begging people to send in troops or to do something or to send sanctions right away beforehand. There, He's like, please, 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 this is going to happen. And nothing happens. You know, it's like it's like it wasn't important enough for President Biden to go there. I think that's really, really bad. Uh, Pete, thank you very much. Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, your thoughts, my friend. Thanks so much. Uh, First of all, I think uh, the administration needs to do what Senator from Connecticut said and eliminate or reduce the gas tax, which is about 18 cents and eliminate it for a period of time. That'll help the gas situation to somewhat. Uh, Number two, I think he needs to call back our ambassador from Russia and end diplomatic relations for a period of time. I think that may say something, but it does, won't make a difference. It had, didn't make a difference almost uh, six to ten months ago when he put – once he put 100,000 troops in, 
Uh, it doesn't take brain science to know what he was going to do. He wasn't going to leave them. And then he looks like a fool. He's been telling us, he's been dealing his cards and telling us exactly what he's been doing. He's been telling it to us for almost 10 years. He wants to restart the empire of Russia. He didn't like what happened when uh, everybody went independent. He didn't like, and I wouldn't be surprised uh, that he decides East Germany, he wants it back. It may be po- I mean, if he's going after Ukraine, which is 10 times bigger than Germany, it's possible, you know, he may go after other things. But uh, I do not blame the administration at this moment. There's not much one can do other than sanctions, unless you want to go to war. Uh, I didn't think Donald Trump wanted to go to war because he was basically Putin's right-hand man. He kissed his rear end. But wait a minute, uh, but Stan, hang on, hang on, absolutely. Stan, hang on. Although... He emitted a message, if anybody messed with him, that he would go in. I mean, he even said, you know, you know, we'll basically put you back to the Stone Age. That was a famous phrase that he used often with individuals. And I think people thought that this guy is kind of crazy enough that he might do that. And yet, when you talk about the fact that Biden, there's not much he could have done, you went right for the gas tax. I think, you know, that was, that was wise to talk about, Stan. But what you left out was the fact that President Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline. He's made us reliant on Russian oil. So it's like he's also not only sort of not admitted strength in any sense of the word to this dictator, but he's also created a bit of a crisis for sure where we've had to be reliant on other sources of oil and gas. Why would you ever do that? I mean, he's, he was so caught up in his green energy and, and looking like he was trying to be the green king um, that he put us in a position where now we're reliant on places like Russia and other places. Uh, excuse me. I do not believe, and maybe you can tell me, that we take Russian oil. We have never took Russian oil. Oh, yeah, we do. We well, do. We you, absolutely I, I, do. I've, never, I've heard we've taken other Saudi oh, no, oil, we abs- I, I don't I, believe we take Russian oil. I promise you $100, we absolutely do, Stan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a deal, Stan, but we absolutely do. And that's the problem because we take Saudi, as you point out. We take Russian, as you point out. What about, the, would- Ro- what about the Canadian, you know, the uh, the, the uh, uh, up north, up in the uh, uh, northwest of the United States? The uh, mining and so forth of the, uh, which was the, the uh, coal, the coal mine. What do you call that new stuff that they're doing? Uh, you know, up there. I forgot they stopped it to a large extent. The fracking. Are you talking fracking. about the fracking? fracking? I knew you were going to talk about yeah. fracking. Well, no, I mean, it's. I don't think it's good, but at the, for a short term right now, I think maybe they need to do it. Well, that's the problem. So, Stan, here's what you need to do. You need to call President Biden and give him a big wake-up call because we have to be energy independent. We were under President Trump, and it's outrageous that he has put us in such a vulnerable position where we are going to be paying even more than we already are at the pump, and that is a huge Huge issue. And that was an enormous mistake because what President Trump did know was that energy independence provides leverage. It gives you, you know, it gives you at least strength. It sends a message. And kind of people like this, guess what? You hit it right on the head. Putin's looking at oil. He's looking at gas. He's looking at all this stuff, looking at, you know, energy supplies. And guess what? If we had said, ah, we don't need it, and if Germany suddenly didn't need it and other places didn't need it, well, guess what? It would put him in a pretty bad position. And right now, he's like, okay, well, I'll cut some of you guys off. Good luck. Good luck at your prices at the pump. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Has Biden's weakness beget 
weakness and open the door to an invasion. I think he has certainly not put on a position of strength and also not only at the gas prices that we've just talked about and creating our dependence on oil and gas, which is outrageous for the sake of saying, oh, I'm a green energy guy. I mean, how kooky is that at a time right now where we're potentially on the brink of war? Suddenly it doesn't look that important. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Well, the great diplomat Kamala Harris was in Munich and basically saying if Putin decides to invade, then they will do something. Meanwhile, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, saying, do something now. They're about to invade. Oh, well, we'll do it at some point. So take a listen to how the U.S. handled this diplomatic mess. And let me be clear. I can say with absolute certainty, if Russia further invades Ukraine, the United States, together with our allies and partners, will impose significant and unprecedented economic costs. And President Zelensky's like, maybe you should do it to prevent him from invading as opposed to, oh, he already invaded and then we're just going to give him a slap on the wrist. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Greg in Dover, Ohio. Greg, your thoughts about all of this. And what do you think of President Biden and Kamala Harris as the ones who are doing diplomacy here against a KGB guy like Putin? Thank you, Rita. First time caller. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, I'm rooting for Putin. <laughs> You're rooting for Putin? Oh, yeah. He's a strong leader. Or just don't survive. He'll take over that country in three days. Wow. Now, why are you rooting for Putin? I mean, he is a strong leader, but... but, uh... He takes care of his people. They don't have no inflation. They're energy independent. And he got a strong military. Everything that we want that we don't have. Although, Greg, they also do not have freedom of speech. Uh, People who have spoken out. I mean, look at... at what he's done he's been ruthless i mean he i'm not gonna be uh applauding putin right now don't you think that he's a little overreaching i mean even the dissidents against him are getting poisoned come on no 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 no. if you had a thousand nato missiles pointing at you you would do the same thing well maybe i wouldn't be a former kgb guy and i wouldn't be looking at taking over countries and talk about now let's talk about now he sees weakness and he's going for the throat. I don't blame him. We well, don't have a president. Well, if Putin ran. It's so listen, It's so bad here in Ohio. If Putin ran for president, he would beat Biden. Wow, that doesn't say a lot about Biden. No, um, he's an idiot. He's a total idiot. Oh. And I, I'm tired of people calling in here and saying Trump this and Trump that. Let me tell you about Trump. Trump's a smart man. Very smart man. You keep your friends close, but you keep your enemies closer, and that's what works. Well, uh, I don't agree with the praising of Putin, but I do agree with your assessment of Biden being exceptionally weak. Haven't we learned our lesson? Haven't we learned our lesson? We went to Iraq on a false pretense. Oh, they got mass mass destruction, and there was not. We didn't learn our lesson there. We didn't learn our lesson in Vietnam. We had thousands of boys killed. And we didn't learn our lesson in all these other wars because we had no business being over there. NATO wouldn't even stick up for themselves. But the Germans, the Germans said, 
What did he send? 5,000 helmets? Right. Yeah, no, right. You're, uh, by the way, Greg, you are exactly right. And thank you for the call in terms of you're right. They literally sent 5,000 helmets. And they're not even necessarily saying that they're going to shut down Nord Stream, which is that main pipeline. So, in other words, if there's no slap on the wrist and there's no even punishment to Putin, uh, he's smelling blood in the waters, just like you said. Again, he is a ruthless killer, so I'm not going to be praising him. But I will agree with you that Biden is awfully, awfully weak. When we come back, we are going to talk about crime in major cities across America. And speaking of weak, the Democratic policies have not been doing anything. They have been fueling the flames. And we're going to take your calls about that after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we always honor our great men and women in uniform, which I love, we are taking you to Omaha, Nebraska, where all kinds of buzz swirled the city of Omaha for one Big East matchoff. It was the Creighton versus Marquette basketball game, but the crowd also really went wild for one very unique and great celebrated person, Paul Robbins, a World War II veteran who was honored during the game. 97-year-old Robbins served from 1943 to 46, and he served on the USS New Jersey. He said when he was on a ship, mostly the people on board were mostly uh, young men that were 18 and 20 At the most, 90% of the crew was around that age. Robin said that he was honored with a medal and was so proud to receive it. And the crowds at the game gave him a rousing applause, a standing ovation when he got it. But those presenting the medal said that this could never match the blood, sweat, and tears that Robin has poured into this country and everything that he and all the other veterans have done to give back to this great nation. And we are talking about law and order because, boy, are things really going to heck in a handbasket around the country, especially a number of major cities are seeing enormous crime numbers skyrocketing. Case in point, in Atlanta, serious crime has spiraled so much that rapes have increased 236 percent, murders raising at 43 percent, burglaries up 18 percent. And things are so bad after the soft on crime mayor and all the different lockdowns and all this other things that now people are trying to even look at succeeding. Uh, Think about this. They're looking at seceding um, the Buckhead neighborhood, which is sort of a very kind of nice, well-to-do neighborhood there in Atlanta has talked about seceding from the city because they said that the city's police force is not able to do its job, that they feel that their hands are tied and that it's a very difficult situation. They put a little bit of pressure on the mayor, who is now pledged to try to bring on some more police officers. But can you imagine it's taken cities and parts of cities saying, oh, we're going to secede. Um, you better get your act together. Can you imagine it's gotten this bad where mayors have had to have such a huge wake-up call because crime has really hit a boiling point? And then case in point, New York City, my goodness, Over the weekend, essentially, there were a number of very, very serious crimes. 
at least seven really violent crimes that took place, particularly on the subway alone. One of them, a guy with a hatchet. Think about this. Um, This man was threatened with a hatchet and two women were attacked, one stabbed in the stomach. Um, And then there was another case of somebody struck with a metal pole during the violent weekend on the New York City subway system. I mean, how scary is this, that things are just getting so bad where somebody said, oh, you know, they were upset somebody was talking to them. And then when the person said, you know, could you please stop talking, they attacked him. The other person out of the blue just brought out a hatchet. I mean, frightening times on the New York City subway. And this comes as Mayor Eric Adams has vowed to crack down on the subways. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? This should have been the job on day one. Take a listen to Mayor Eric Adams. We got so used to being dysfunctional that it became the normality. Well, I'm not a dysfunctional mayor, and I don't pretend that a problem doesn't exist. We identify, we fix problems, we get stuff done. That's what my administration is going to be about. And here's a little more of where he said the times have changed. We enforce these elements in these rules. No more smoking, no more doing drugs, no more sleeping, no more doing barbecues on the subway system, no more just doing whatever you want. No, those days are over. Well, they're not over because the day that he launches it is essentially when somebody is targeted with a hatchet-wielding madman and the other uh, an assailant's metal rod basically bashing somebody all within basically a few hours of him starting this new program, which is just kicking people off the subway. What is he going to do with that one? Is he going to arrest them? Where is he going to put them? What's he going to do? He seems to be talking still again about mental health. What about getting tough on these people that are striking people over and over again? Don't you think somebody who suddenly brings out a hatchet uh, on the subway is a threat to society? Not just someone who needs help. He actually needs to be maybe locked up. So how much do you think that Democratic policies are contributing to this melee? And again, this comes, remember, in Times Square. This was just a few days ago when this woman was walking with her four-year-old son. And suddenly some guy, turns out he's a repeat offender, a 34-year-old guy, rap sheet a mile long, has three open cases for assault. I mean, come on. And he has a huge rap sheet of other prior assaults. And he just goes and clocks this poor little four-year-old boy. And you see it on videotape. This is the mom describing what happened. I was grabbing towards him and trying to tell him, like, hey, you just hit my son. I grabbed him from the back, and we both went down on my back, and he was on top of me, and I was not letting go. Yeah, thank goodness. And, in fact, I call it the uh, the siege of the moms, which was great because that mom and a couple other moms, you see it in the videotape, just grabbed the guy, held him down, essentially, until could, cops could come and get the guy. And, again, it turns out he has three open assault cases. He never should have been out on the street. Why are these soft-on-crime Democrats allowing this to happen? It's like... People can't even walk. A four-year-old boy can't even walk in Times Square without getting clocked. People can't go on the subway without somebody pulls out a hatchet. Who wants to go on the subway if that's what you're hearing? What do you attribute all of this to, guys? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don in Hopewell, New York. Go ahead, Don. Your thoughts about this. Yeah, I think uh, the reason is because when Democrats get in office, they don't do anything. 
You know, Donald Trump worked his ass off as president, and Joe Biden takes naps probably two, three times a day. You hear me? So they're not doing anything. That's why it was a debacle in Afghanistan. Nobody knew what they were doing as far as anything goes. That's why people are in this country right now that they still don't know exactly who they are. <laughs> and now they're worried about them. Come on, it's a joke. Well, you know what's, you know what's, in, you know what's interesting? Steal. Hey, Don, you know, it's another thing. You talk about sort of like people are in this country. You bring up a great point because we've got that wide open border in the South right now. And it's like there's no vetting, there's no checking, there's no nothing, you know. And meanwhile, we were just talking a little bit about about how Biden is so tough on Ukraine's borders, but yet our southern border, it's like wide open. Don't worry. And, in fact, there was a report just recently about a number of people that have crossed uh, that have a lot of very extensive criminal backgrounds. Those are just the ones we know about. Uh, You're right. It's a formula for disaster. And and it's like, why would anyone do that to this great country, not put the priorities of safety and security first? Um, What are the other things, too, Don? What about George Soros? What do you think his role is sort of in covering all of these DAs, these soft on crime DAs? What are your thoughts about that, Don? And we're letting it happen. Scary. Scary. But that's why people need to speak out and also make sure when they vote that they look at somebody's track record, pure and simple, law and order, thousand percent. Let's well, go to I, go ahead, Don. Go ahead, real quick, Don. I predict that there'll be another outbreak, and they're going to try to stop the uh, mailboxes again. That's what I predict is going to happen on the next election. So somehow, the they somehow win. there'll be something in uh, October. Boy, what a surprise, huh? Right what I'm bef- talking about. Yeah, right It'll before be election day. Where they try to lock us down and stop the mailboxes. Wow. That's my prediction. Well, you got to vote for who is going to be tough on law and order and who's going to protect your families. Don, thank you. Great call. Let's go to Bob in Suffolk County. Go ahead, Bob. Your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Yeah, hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Um, two things. Up. Crime in this city is out of control. I agree with you 100%. Things are so bad. My family lives in Williamsburg, and it's so bad there, the kids cannot go out and play in the park that's a block away. Wow. It's crazy. You're talking You're talking about them playing during daytime hours that you won't allow yes. them there? Wow. Yes. In addition to that, things are so crazy. It's not just homeless people. You have other people, and I think by only saying it's the homeless people that are doing this is a mistake. You have people that are violent people by nature, and they go out and they do this crime just for the fun of it. It's not just homeless, it's other people. And you have to identify those people and get those people off the street too. Yeah, I agree. And you know where, and Bob, I am very much one of these people who sympathizes, obviously, with families like you, with with everybody who wants a safe and secure city, a safe and secure country. And so my feeling is whoever is the bad guy, whether they're homeless or not, you also have to make sure that they are away from society. If someone has a violent propensity, whether they're homeless or not, that should not matter. You know, I mean, if they're a threat to society and they have a repeat 
attack record and a repeat assault record, just like this guy who had bashed the four-year-old in the head just for the sake of it. I mean, you see the video. He's just kind of walking by, pops the guy in the head, little four-year-old boy. I mean, unprovoked nothing. It's it's like the guy is clearly crazy, has three open assault cases, has a whole bunch more in his background. You know, it's like I don't really care that he's homeless. What I care about is that he's a threat to society and he should be locked up. You can't sit and say, well, because he's homeless, let's give him a break for, what, the 40th time, Bob? Absolutely not. What we should do is the district attorneys that are not that are soft on crime should be walking the streets and taking the subways so they can actually go see this stuff and and be affected by it like everybody else. Yeah, thousand percent. The same thing when one congressman had her car stolen, her husband immediately pulled out a gun and started shooting. Yeah, the hypocrisy is amazing. Right. Exactly. The woman in uh, in Pennsylvania, I know exactly what you're talking about. Bob, thank you. Great call. And, and it's so sad that your family with your kids cannot go out and play in the park during daytime hours because it is so risky outside. Um, let's go to Michael in New Jersey. Go ahead, Michael. Your thoughts about this? Yeah, hi, Rita. Well, just a general comment. I just want to shout out that we should be very positive. Americans, not Republicans, Democrats, we have the right as people when we vote to take back. And it seems like that groundswell is starting. Everybody from the most liberal callers to the guy to call before, I don't know what he was drinking about. Putin yeah, the guy who thought Trump. Putin was, yeah, who liked Putin. Yeah. I, I mean, was like, all right. I get it. I mean, I get it. I get it. what he means. He sounds like a good American, but it just. It just he likes the, the macho. He likes the macho men who ride on horseback shirtless, I guess, right? That's great. If the guy ever had the opportunity in Russia to call and say about a Democratic leader that they wish they could have it, he'd never be heard from again. But that's beside the right. point, right? Well, th- did you hear what I said? I said, yeah. I said, uh, yeah, he gives the opposition uh, basically arsenic, you know, no problem with yeah. that, right? Right. Right. But I think we should just be positive. We've got a real opportunity every time we go to the election booth. And let's just be positive. Vote. Get it out there. Whatever it has to be. We can turn things around. Everything is a pendulum in life, no matter what it is. Right. We have the opportunity to bring it back. And we just got to feel it, be positive and believe it. Yeah. Look, I love your attitude. I love your attitude because we want what's best for this country and best for you know, all the cities out there, and we want safe cities, most importantly. I mean, that is priority number one. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or Democrat, as long as there is someone who is law and order and just cares about giving back and, and not lip service. Um, Mike, thank you very much. Let's go to Will on the Taconic Parkway. Go ahead, Will. You're calling in. Your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita. Nice to talk to you. Um, I have a family just like everyone else, and uh, my daughter keeps asking me, Dad, uh, when are we going to go down the city? When are we going to go down the city? I told her, I said, come downstairs and watch the news with me. And I have to give her this, this reality. You, you can't even bring your family down to the city anymore because the crime is so bad. And the guy before you, he's right. His attitude is great with the voting, but we still got another problem. We got to fix this fraud. We gotta fix the fraud, guys, because if we don't fix the fraud, we're right back to point zero again. Now, let me ask you, Will, real quick, just on your daughter's point too, because we're talking about crime. I want to hear: Did your daughter actually watch the news, and did she go, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe how bad it is"? Did you actually? Yeah, she did. She was very quiet, and you know, we we hate to do that, but sometimes we gotta bring reality 
to the front, you know? Absolutely. And you want her to be safe, too, and be aware of what's going on. Wow. Very, very scary, Will. And how sad, you know, because the city has so many great places. And I think at Times Square, and sadly, there have been all these different attacks in Times Square of late on kids. Remember the other one that happened where the stray bullet hit the little kid who was shopping? That was a couple months ago. This one, a little kid gets clocked out of the blue. I mean, it's really scary because not only just for people in the area to come visit New York, which, again, I think is such a great city. It has so much diversity. I love New York. I was born in Brooklyn, you guys. I mean, my heart and soul is here. You know, you want it to be a great and safe city. Uh, but when you see these headlines, not only are New Yorkers scared, but I have so many friends that are like around the country going, I'd love to visit, but I don't want to come now or I don't want to be in this area now. It's too scary now. It's too crazy now. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't blame them given all the things until things turn around, until somebody. But it's got to require tough love. And Democrats got to have a wake up call, guys. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. What do you attribute all these skyrocketing crime cases in New York and elsewhere, too? And are Democrats getting the message? I don't think all of them are. And it's astounding. Maybe they will in November. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And there is no misunderstanding. Crime is definitely on the rise in New York City and in many major cities across the country. And in fact, in the basically over the weekend, think about this, at least seven strap hangers attacked on New York City subways, um, violent attacks on the subways, including uh, a guy who was threatened with a hatchet, two women attacked, one stabbed in the stomach and another struck with a metal pole. Uh, welcome to the subways of New York City and so much for cleaning up the subways. Well, here is Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, who said He realizes he's got to turn things around or New York City won't turn around. I say it over and over again. In fact, many of you can finish the statement. But public safety and justice, they are the prerequisite to prosperity. They are. So that's why, guess what? You got to get a handle on crime and you got to fight those soft on crime DAs like Alvin Bragg, who's like, oh, no, I'm not really changing anything. He's still debating whether or not to charge things as felonies or misdemeanors when they're clearly felonies by any other DA prior to him? Give me a break. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stephen in New Jersey. Stephen, your thoughts about all this? Oh, yes. Hi. Well, I just had a thought. What would you think if I had said that the Democrat Party might be actually responsible for the formation of criminals? Never mind the... uh, lack of control of the criminals, but they're responsible with their uh, welfare state generating policies, uh, destruction of the American family, uh, nuclear families, poor uh, education, drugs, criminality, etc. They're responsible for all of that in our society, essentially, and they don't want to take responsibility for it. That's an interesting point. I mean, it's sort of like allowing those things to happen. Um, And I think um, you know, not turning things around in general, and then then on the sort of fostering some of those philosophies or allowing that sort of breakup of the nuclear family, breakup of values. Yeah, I, I hear where you're going. 
And then also separately, then on the back end, as we're talking now, too, after people commit crimes, going soft on them as well and sort of allowing people to take advantage of the system, like a lot of these repeat offenders. I mean, I remember even when I was I did an interview with Eric Adams, you guys, not that long ago. And I remember him even saying to me that criminals are smarter than almost anybody in the sense that they knew when these sort of soft on, you know, crime philosophy came out from Alvin Bragg on day one. Remember on his day one memo? He's like, criminals are seeing that. It telegraphed to them, go ahead. So not only sort of creating it on the front end, but on the back end. That's very interesting. Let's go to Barry in New Jersey. Go ahead, Barry, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Uh, I just would first like to say that uh, I spoke to you once before, and you are just incredible. Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, really, everything. Um, You're always right on the money. Uh, Even the sound of your voice is uh, uplifting. Thank but I you, wanted Bear. to say that I had called really about your first discussion about Biden, and I called at the point where it switched to a crime. Well, I'll so give you—I'll give you I'm ten surprised. seconds, real quick, Bear, real quick. Okay, I'm not even going to talk about Biden, but I wanted to say what I said to to the um, screener uh, that I grew up in Brooklyn, as you said you did, uh, in the Midwood section in the '50s and the '60s, of course, and we never saw anything like what I hear is going on there. Oh, it's and, um, a, it's and Bear, it is amazing. Do me a favor, Bear. We have a hard break. Call back tomorrow, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888 6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 